morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. Of course, you put a 225 in front of there, you can reach us from anywhere in the continental United States. And we'd sure like to hear from you today. That's right. I know we got a lot of listeners all over the country. because We I do. Email from them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and we really enjoy hearing from you, hearing a little different perspective, hearing about right. things that are going on in your area. Things are different in different parts of the country. Oh, absolutely. And, of course, we love hearing from our Baton Rouge guests as well. That's it. Give us a call because right now is the perfect time to get your questions oh, answered. Yeah. Got every one of our lines wide open. Got plenty of time. Actually got a fresh mind. Haven't <laughs> <laughs> got all burned out just yet. And we're going to our phone lines. We've got Chris online. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Lewis. How are you doing, doing today? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Hey, I've got, I'm calling from uh, Saginaw, Michigan. All here. right. All right. We were about negative one this morning. I've got, <laughs> <laughs> I've got an issue with an old Sigmund Expedition with okay. it sludging up. Okay. I've been trying to adjust my oil change intervals with it. Yes, sir. And you know, I usually go about every 3,000 miles, and mm-hmm. I use the 520 synthetic. Okay, good deal. And I went to change the oil here and opened up the cap, and it's just the solid, white, sludgy yuck. Yeah, that's not good, Chris. What I would suspect is one of about three different things. First off, are you using a Motocraft oil filter on it? Yes. Yeah, I would say go to the FL820S oil filter because that will help with that a bit. The second thing is make sure the engine is getting to full temperature, particularly in your area. If you don't have a full 195-degree thermostat, you know, the engine may not be getting to full temperature, which will definitely, definitely make that situation a lot worse. Okay, the, well, my wife drives it. Uh-huh. She has a four-mile drive to work. Yeah, so. short trips yeah, is going to be really, really bad. And yeah. the third thing is if you've got any type of a coolant leak, into the engine, like if the head gaskets are just seeping just a tiny bit or if the intake gaskets are seeping just a tiny bit, if any type of liquid is getting into your oil, it's going to make it far, far, far worse. But I think you hit the nail on the head with those short, short trips. The only thing that you're going to be able to do in that case, Chris, is to probably try to take it out and get some longer running time on it. Because what oil does is that when it gets to full temperature, when it gets to 225 degrees, the moisture is going to boil, it's going to turn to steam, the PC system is going to scavenge it out, and it's going to clean itself. Of course, in a four miles, particularly in minus one degree, that is never going to happen. You're, never, you're probably not getting much over 160 degrees in that engine. And so all this moisture is condensing. If you just, there's no way to drive it more. The only other thing is even go to more frequent oil changes. You know, miles are not a good indication of oil change conditions are, and you are definitely under extreme conditions. Okay, yeah, because I don't have this problem in the summer. We use it right. You know, it gets heated right up. You know, these. Uh, I, I keep telling my wife, uh, it's like you gotta, you know, you gotta run her down to Detroit or something when you when you have to. Absolutely, go. yeah. Right. And just letting it sit in idle or something is not going to do you much good either, because they don't get really efficient when they're idling. You really need to get some driving time. You'll get seventy miles an hour in the interstate for 20, 30 minutes and really drive it. That would do it a world of good. All right, well, I'll give that a try and well, see if that works. Great. Hey, thanks for calling. Chris, hold on. The producer's going to get your name and address, and I'll send an Agco T-shirt out to you. Hey, appreciate it. Yes, sir. Hold on. All right. Now, we're not going back to phone lines because we don't have another call. No that's one. it. Sure <laughs> would be nice to. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead and give us a call. And, of course, you don't have to call from Michigan. You can call from anywhere you want. In the continental United States. That's right. Or, all right. or outside or if you know how. Or beyond if you know how. <laughs> just don't ask me. You know, I'm not real sure how all that works. So. 
you know, just in case you don't get a chance to call in or something occurred to you during the week. That's right. Or you're out of the country and can't figure out the way to call into the country. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can always visit the website and get your questions answered that way. That's right. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. You can take the acronym Altazan's Garage Company. Mm-hmm. Now, get you to our site, and there's a contact bar on every page. Just fill out the form and... Send it on in. Mm-hmm. Lewis will get it back to you within 24 hours. That's right, and that's just so, so easy to do. We've done a bunch of things to try to make that easier for you. For instance, one thing is that when you fill out that form the first time, of course you put in your name and your return address and the type of car you have. When you go to send it, it's going to pop up and say, would you like to remember this information? Uh-huh. And if you put yes, it'll just put a little cookie on your machine so that next time you come up, it'll already be filled out for you. That's great. You won't have to fill that out again. You don't have to type anything in. All you do is type in your question, put the mileage, and push the button, and it'll go to me. That's great. And that makes it real, real easy. Another thing we added recently that makes it real easy is a site map, which allows you to find things on the site just much, much easier. It just kind of spreads everything on the site out in a more logical tree-like uh-huh. thing. So. You might just look, see if there's some features maybe you're not aware of. On right. That. Also, go to the detailed topics while you're on. I added one just this morning on rodent damage on vehicles. That is, seems to be an ongoing problem. It is. We get that a lot. Folks will come in, check engine light on, car won't start, and we get into it, and we find that a rodent of some sort has built a home up inside the engine compartment, chewed the wires up, and that can be very, very expensive. can. Recently, we had a 370Z. 370Z, right. Right. And something had gotten in, eaten the injector harness under the intake manifold. Right. And so, had to pull the intake, had to rebuild the harness. So, really expensive thing. This article goes in, tells you why that occurs, some things you can do to prevent it, and so on. So, really good information. It's on the website. You just look on the left-hand side under new detailed topics and tons of other things in there while you're in there. Pop on there, see what you think. I think you'll really like it. And we're going back to our phone lines with Burl. Good morning, Burl. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Okay, last week my son-in-law told, from Mississippi told me that his wife, my daughter, mm-hmm. had a rack and pinion job done on her Toyota. Oh, okay. I always thought rack and pinion was a pool hall term. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could very well be. <laughs> okay, would you explain it in a thousand words or less? Yes, sir. Yeah, a rack and pinion is basically it's a rack gear, which is a long circular gear with teeth cut in it which ties to the two-wheel. The pinion gear is a little round gear that hooks to the steering column. When you turn the pinion gear, it forces the rack gear back and forth. So it replaces the old steering gear box that we used to know of. And it's just a different form of steering gear. What we have found on the Toyotas is that they get oversold a whole, whole, whole lot. Because what happened is that for some reason, when Toyota assembled these things, and you might ask if this is the case, it looks like they put too much grease on the right-hand side on the inner tie rod. Mm-hmm. And that grease touches the inside of the boot that protects it and eats that boot up. It just dissolves a hole in it. Right. Now, what we do at our shop is when they come in with that problem, we take the tie rod off, change that boot, which is about $10, takes about a half an hour, and realign the front end, and you're good to go. But what a lot of places do is they try to sell you a rack and pinion, which is $1,200, $1,500, $1,500. Their contention is that it's leaking power steering fluid. Yeah. But a lot of times, like Lewis was saying, it's just that the boot has deteriorated. There, there's nothing actually wrong with the rack and pinion. Right. Well, confidentially to you and the radio audience, mm-hmm. I think they charge her $1,600. Right. That's, that's not uncommon. About, right. Particularly yeah. if you went to a Toyota dealer. It's they, a, they're pretty high on that. It's pretty yeah. intense labor now, charge, too. Now, if she's not losing fluid, now the key is if she's losing a lot of power steering fluid, it could be that the rack was leaking. It could be a legitimate thing. So I'm not saying that it's not. 
But if she was not having to add power steering fluid to the car, I have seen that an awful lot, and I don't know why they keep doing it, but they do. And many, many people come to us for a second opinion, and we tell them, well, if it was mine and you're not losing any fluid, I would just put a boot on it and go about your business, you know? Yeah, okay. All righty. But look, I appreciate it. Yes, I just sir. wanted you to know I, I was checking you out. I knew all that. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Look, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, all Mr. Right, Earl. Sir. Thank you, Bye-bye. sir. Bye-bye. 499-9526. A number of you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. We'd love to have you. And we'll go back to our phone lines. we got Jim's been patient holding. Good morning, Jim. Hey, uh, Lewis. How you doing, man? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I, I would like to have your opinion on a fuel additive. I drive a, a Golf diesel. Uh-huh. And then I also have an O2 Dodge uh, Cummins. Yes, sir. And I've been noticing uh, my fuel mileage going down, and I added some Marble Mystery Oil. Yes, sir. To my mm-hmm. And I noticed that I've got about five miles a gallon, five miles more on a gallon. Well, depending on how much you add to it, David, you're going to get some better gas mileage simply because Marvel Mystery Oil is oil. Oil is energy. And so the more energy in the fuel, you're going to get more mileage. The thing you have to do is do the math and see if by buying this product and adding it, you're not paying just as much as you would get in lower mileage. That's the only thing. There's nothing inherently magical about it where it's giving you more mileage. You're just putting more oil in, into the mix. It would be just like adding another gallon of gasoline right. to the tank or, and not accounting for it. Or diesel fuel and not right. accounting for it. Not accounting for it. Yeah, you, you're putting oil, which is a burnable product, which does contain energy. See, one of the reasons diesels get more mileage than gasoline engines is because diesel fuel contains more oil. There's more energy in it. Of course, it compresses it more. The explosion is more violent, so that's another reason. But Diesel fuel inherently has more energy in it than gasoline, just like gasoline has more energy in it than ethanol. And so when you add a product like that to it, you will get some more gas mileage, but you have to take the cost of the product into consideration, divide it out, do the math, and see if you're coming out ahead doing that. Because most of the time, you're not. You're about breaking even or maybe even losing ground if it's cost into effect. Does that, that Marvel Mr. O doesn't affect any of the parts of the motors or anything like that? Not just- that I'm aware of. In moderation, you know, I'm not real big on adding stuff to any type of vehicles because you can get problems. Marvel, I think, is a pretty good product. What I would really rather see you use, particularly in your Cummings, there is a product called Standine. And Standine is a company that makes the pumps for GM, Ford, and Chrysler. And what they found is they were having trouble with their pumps failing. And the reason being because they're taking all the sulfur out of the fuel, and that's what protects the pump. So Standine came out with a chemical. It's the only chemical I know of that's endorsed by all of the big three. They all endorse it. And it's very, very, very concentrated. You buy a bottle, and you add about two ounces to 30 gallons of fuel, and you don't have to do it every time. You can do it about every second or third tank full. And that will protect your diesel pump. Yeah, your lift pump and your injector pump and all that. That I do endorse. Marvel is not a bad product. We use it sometimes. I just don't like to use it on a continuing basis because I'm not sure. You're putting all additional oil into the fuel. You could end up with some fuel line problem or something. Probably not, but, you know, it's kind of an unknown. What about Yeah, I wouldn't use that. Uh, that is an ethanol, and so you're adding ethanol to your fuel. That kind of stuff, it's not a bad product for what it's designed to do, which is just occasional use. It's not something that's made to be put in on a regular basis, it, particularly not on a gasoline engine. Right. And if you watch TV, all the auto park commercials are pushing that stuff. They got sales on it. They want oh, yeah. you to buy as much yeah. as you can and put in, and you're just overdoing the ethanol. Right. That you've, you, already you've already got. got 10% ethanol in your fuel. By the time you dump a can of that in there, you're probably at 15% or more. So, right. you know, you're really overdosing. Ethanol, all its bad properties, it is a good cleaner. 
And that's what almost all of your cleaners are going to be ethanol products. So, no, I would not put any of that in there. Okay, well, one more question, though. What about, you say, Standine? Is that, yes. is that available through the auto parts store? You should be, or you can go on the Internet. Okay. Just type all in right. diesel additive and you'll find it. Okay. All righty. Well, that answers my question. Okay, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling, Jim. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break. David, Kathy, hold on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I feel terrible. Wow, what'd you do? I maxed out all of my credit cards, bought over 200 pairs of shoes, didn't shave my legs for 60 days, and ate primarily chocolate and brie the entire month of December. My stomach's still not quite right. Well, in addition to lots of salads, one thing I can recommend to help recoup some money is to take your car to Agco Automotive. Agco's experienced technicians provide you a quote and then stick to that price so you're never surprised by higher cost. And Agco fixes vehicles right the first time. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. So, no fruits or veggies for an entire month? Do strawberry Pop-Tarts count as fruit? No, not last time I checked. Hey, welcome back. Just join us on this Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we've got David Spence patiently holding. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Love your show. Love your show. Thank, Thank you. you. Real quick question. Somebody wanted to borrow my truck, 2006 Uh-huh. Got a small reservoir leak on my radiator. Told the guy, hey, before you take this long trip, fill it up, keep my engine cool. Yes. Well, he did. He poured a whole gallon in the engine, not in the reservoir, into the oil. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, oh, no. So uh, I didn't find out about it till after I went to get my oil changed the next time, about 3,500 miles. Trying to figure out what kind of damage that could possibly do. That does extensive damage, Dave, because what antifreeze is is glycol, and glycol has a real, a couple of real nasty habits. One is it thickens up oil, it increases the viscosity drastically. Another thing is it breaks down the ability to absorb load in the oil. So when the cylinder fires, there's like a little line, say a thousandth of an inch wide of contact point between the bearing and the crankshaft. And pressure on that point can get up to 500,000 pounds per square inch. you got to have okay. a lot of lubricant in there to keep them from touching. And what happens, glycol breaks that mm-hmm. up so that every time the cylinder fires, the rod bearing is actually touching the crankshaft, and it will gotcha. pit it up real, real, real fast. Depending on how long it was in there, normally within a couple of hundred miles, you're going to pretty much do irreparable damage to the engine. It may not fail right away. But if it's been in there for 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 miles, I would probably expect some pretty serious damage in the near future. All that you can do at this point is to drain it all out, fill it with fresh oil, and keep doing that a number of times on a real short interval. I'd be changing that oil probably 500 miles for a couple of times, then go to 3,000-mile intervals after that and hope for the best. It may last you a while. You know, It may last a year or two. Who knows? But I think that inevitably you're going to have some lower-end bearing problems. You'll probably start to get a knocking noise, start losing oil pressure, that kind of thing. Well, I'll just say I noticed recently, and, and I think this was before that, but I got a 
bad ticking when it's real cold and after it just warms up goes away like a valve or something. Could be. Another and, real um, common issue on that truck, David, is that the exhaust manifold bolts, the heads will pop off of them, particularly on the driver's side all the way in the back, that last bolt, that head will pop off, and when it's cold, it'll sound exactly like a lifter. Just tick, 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 tick. It's an exhaust yeah, leak. When it heats hot. up, yeah, it swells up and it yeah. quits doing it. But that's well, real the, common on that truck. It's a 5.3 Vortex. Correct. Right. Uh, I've noticed since he's done that, Sometimes I crank it in the morning and it moves out white smoke, which I'm assuming that stuff's probably sitting on top of the oil because it probably doesn't really mix together. It well. mixes. Now, modern oil Does will it? absorb it completely. You won't even notice. It won't turn milky or anything unless it's in excess. I mean, if you dumped a couple of gallons in there, it might get milky, but a reasonable amount, a quarter or two, it will absorb it right into the oil and you won't even know it's in there. It'll well, just... he poured a gallon. Wow, yeah. That may. It wasn't 50 made... either. It was pure. I mean, it was... Ah, geez. Dave, I would be real surprised you didn't have some engine problems in the very near future. Well, that's what I'm kind of scared of because it ain't really. I, I noticed it seems like the power's not right, but yeah. I don't any lights coming on. Yeah, it's blowing out white smoke in the mornings. Yeah, it sounds pretty bad, man. About the only thing you could do if you want to just check and know would be to drop the oil pan, which is not too big a deal. And really, on that engine, if you got more than about a hundred thousand miles, it's probably leaking anyway because every one of them leaks. And be no, good, no, this really? one actually, uh, don't leak. Exception to the rule. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. got to go. Nothing, nothing that hits the ground, but I got two hundred thirty-three. Yeah, at that kind yeah. of mileage, Dave, I think I would change all a few times and yeah. just kind of keep an eye on it. And if, and if the oil pressure starts dropping off on you or starts knocking, you just have to do something. You know, just just start saving now for another engine for it. Yeah, if you, like, if you like the truck, right? Decide what you're gonna do with it. Right, you can uh, put an engine in it. You know, I mean, yeah. you can even find those engines used. Used when with fairly low mileage. They're pretty common because they put that engine in basically every GM SUV and truck they built. So you can normally find those engines at a pretty reasonable price. You'll find you something with 80,000, 90,000 miles on, put it, go again, you know. So it's just running to the dies. Well, I, I can't tell them that oil pressure because ever since I've had it, it stays on 80, but I've noticed lately <laughs> it's like uh, sitting there. Every now and then it'll tack over to zero, then go back to 80. Yeah, either the sender unit's bad or the gauge is bad. Okay, they right. both go out quite a bit. So just run it until it dies. Well, that's about all you can do. I mean, you could you could go in there now and rebuild it, but, you know, what's the no, point? You might as well drive and make it go on the Yeah, it's running right now. Yeah, I'd, I'd leave it yeah, be uh, until you start getting some symptoms. I mean, I, I think you will, but I don't know if that's going to be tomorrow or that's going to be a well, year from now. Well, told me the bearings was the biggest thing to worry about. Well, they are. Great. They are, and it gets into the valve lifters, too. I mean, it'll eventually. It put a lot of wear and tear on the camshaft because it broke down the ability of the oil to lubricate. It's kind of like driving your oil 100,000 miles, not changing it. You know, about the same effect, just all your lubrication's gone, so. But not running any of that engine. No, No. I wouldn't do any of that. All you do is throwing morks into the problem. I would just change it out, and I'd change it out real regular a few times, try to get it all out of it, and just see how long it lasts. That five guy before uh, before you or before me or a couple about talking about these auto parts stores mm-hmm. so they're about to sell you anything i was oh absolutely shocked. yeah i was shocked because i went in there and was talking to the guy and, mm-hmm. he, and i was talking about the engine flush and mm-hmm. he looked at me and said have you ever put anything in the crankcase that's the noise that don't ever do it because he said oh, god bless it <laughs> yeah. yeah and i was like really yeah he's like yeah, yeah and i'm fixing to pay for it so well, that's a good deal. That's a good yeah. deal. You know, there's some of those guys out there who are pretty sharp. Particularly, I find a lot of the older guys who are maybe they're retired mechanics and just supplementing their income by working there. I know I've got a guy that works at one of the places here in town that's kind of notorious for that, and he's out there trying to spread the word. I know he listens to the show all the time, calls me sometimes. But, you know, yeah, you can't paint everybody with a broad brush because there's good people in every industry. Yeah. Well, man, I love y'all show. Y'all keep it up. Appreciate it. All right. It. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Kathy has been patiently holding. Good morning, Kathy. 
Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Ma'am. Well, I've, I listen to your show quite often, although I am a girl. All right. That's quite all <laughs> that's right. That's a good deal. And that's why I'm calling, because okay. I'm a girl. There you go. I have a 98 Mustang. Okay. It's got just turned like 70,000. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't drive a whole heck of a lot. Right, right, right. And I just, every once in a and it nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets me down the road, a tank of gas will get me from here to Dallas. Wow. And every once in a while I get this feeling that I need to be tuning it up or getting the, you know how you go to the doctor and get your annual checkup? Yes, ma'am. And I don't want to go down the road and something happen and people go, well, you know, if you would have done this. That's exactly right. And, you know, Kathy, on a car like that, it's not the miles, it's the years that are going to get you because time, some things are mileage related, other things are time related, and some things are both. Exactly. What I would suggest to you is to find a shop that can do what we call at Agco a general inspection, and that is where we go through the car pretty much from stem to stern, check all the maintenance, check all the fluids, check all the codes, check pending codes, pull the wheels, check the wheels, check, check the, the age brakes, of the tire, the brakes, right. on and on and on and on and on, give you a complete report of everything, where you stand and where you should be. And it's an inexpensive service that will put you right back where you need to be. Then we'll give you a list of everything you need, and we'll prioritize it for you. Like, for instance, this needs doing right now. This needs doing in the next three to six months. This needs doing in the next year. This is a problem that's coming up, so on and so forth. If I had a car like that, I would be getting that done once a year. Simply because you can head off problems. Like you alluded to, let's say you've got a fuel filter that's never been changed. Well, a fuel filter is about a $40 service, but if you keep driving it, you burn up a $900 fuel pump. So it just doesn't make any sense. Same thing with spark plugs and some other stuff. You burn up, rather than a $6 spark plug, you burn up a $200 call times eight and you know on and on and on it goes some people like to self-direct their service they like to go in read the owner's manual they like to keep track of stuff that's just how they are and that's great but a lot of people just don't care to do all that and if you don't care to do that just find someone who can do a general inspection for you have them give you a complete list of what you need and then prioritize it for you and that way you're not ever going to be too far gone and here's the problem i, I understand that but you know and i hate to say this mm-hmm. But being a girl, you get taken advantage of. I go into a new engine. I don't know enough about anything. Take advantage of a guy just as fast. (laughs) (laughs) What you do, Kathy, go on my website. On the front page of that website, at the very bottom, there's an article, How to Find a Great Shop. Read that article, and that's going to give you all the tips of what to look for, how to know whether you got a good shop, how to know whether you're looking at a shyster. And there's tons of other ones on there as well. But if you go to the website, read around a little bit, you're going to find out how to get around it. There's another article, How to Avoid Being Taken Advantage Of, and it covers that exact topic. And that's your website? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Agcoauto.com. A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. I'll do that. Thank Alrighty. you so much. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we've got to take one more quick little break. Wes and Richard, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I'm up the creek. So what did you do? I maxed out all my credit cards, sold my stocks, my house, and my boat so I could travel the world before the world ended. Kept my 85 Mustang, though. Well, one thing I can recommend is to take your car in for regular maintenance at Agco Automotive. By taking care of your car, you'll save money in the long run by not having to pay for huge repairs. And with the money you save, you can pay down some of that debt. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. There's one other 
big problem. I sold all my vital organs on a website in Uzbekistan, and now someone named Aziz keeps showing up on my caller ID. Well, hmm. Lay low, brother. Lay low. Hey, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we've got Richard's been patiently holding. Good morning, Richard. Morning, Lewis. How you doing? Great, sir. Good morning. I've got a 99 Chrysler 300. Okay. And it kills at random. They can be drive across the river, get across, mm-hmm. and, and they'll kill. It may lay out for five minutes before it starts. It may take three hours. How often does that occur, Richard? Mm. Well, this is random. You know? Yeah, but how often? Once a day, once a month, once a year? Sometimes this happens going to and from work. And you know, it may happen, they go three or four days and not do it, and then start doing it again. Yeah, it's going to be extremely hard to find, particularly on a 99 model, just because it doesn't store failure records. It's not going to have a lot of data. I mean, I could tell you two dozen things it could be, but again, you know, which one is it? And if you can't duplicate it, you're just not going to be able to find it. I mean, some of the things, of course, a fuel pump can certainly do that. Chrysler's had a lot of trouble with the PCMs going out, the engine computer going bad and doing that a crank sensor, a cam sensor, on and on and on. Like I said, I can, you can run out of money way before you run out of guesses. What you're going to have to do is get someone, have them scan it, see if there is anything stored in the PCM that probably won't be. But if there is, that would give you some kind of guidance on it. The only other thing you could do is one of two things. Either find somebody who's willing to work with you on it, leave the car with them until they can duplicate it, or wait till it gets a little more consistent. And I know that's not what you want to hear, but I'm going to tell you, any other approach, you will spend an inordinate amount of money, and you're not going to get anywhere. You're strictly spending your wheels. That's what I was afraid of. Yeah. You, I mean, I've seen people come to me who have spent $2,000 on problems like that, and I just tell them the same thing. Man, you're just not going to find it if it occurs once a month. There's nobody in a shop that's going to be able to find that. We've got a truck in the shop right now that was similar to that. It finally got to where it was doing it a couple of times a week. She brought it in and left it with me for the week. Come to find out the PCM is dropping out. And so we replaced PCM, ran it for another week, and it's fine. But the problem is not only can you not find it to start with, but even if you find a problem, you fix it. Do you know if you fix the problem or you just fix another problem? Mm-hmm. Because you can't verify whether it's fixed or not. Not dying now, wasn't dying before, so... It takes a very understanding customer. It takes a very understanding shop, and they got to communicate 100%. And you just got to understand so it's one of those kind of problems. It's like trying to find a needle in 10,000 haystacks. And the only other option is just drive it until it gets a little worse, and then you'll, you'll be able to find it easier. Well, I've had it in the shop twice. Yeah, right. I thought they'd fixed it. But yeah, well, and again, they may have fixed two problems while it was in there. It just didn't fix that problem. You know, that's yeah. the issue with an older car like that. If I go in there and start looking, I'm probably going to find a lot of things that are problems. But whether or not they're that problem, if I check fuel pressure and it's three pounds lower than it should be, okay, that's a problem. But is it causing this? Who knows? Find some erratic signal on a crank sensor, that's a problem, but is it this problem? Who knows? And because you can't duplicate it, you change it. Okay, well, it's starting now, but it was starting before. Did you fix anything? Who knows? So I guess what I would do is either find someone, if you have the wherewithal to leave this vehicle with someone for an extended period of time, Find someone who's willing to work with you on it, bring it in, just leave it with them until they can find it, or just keep driving it until it gets a little more regular. If it's doing it every day, then you'll be able to find it. Okay. All righty. Thanks a lot. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we're going back to our line with Wes. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, Mr. Lewis. Yes, sir. I love your show. Thank you. Uh, I only listen to it on Saturdays, of course, when I work. There you go. I rarely miss your show. Well, thank you. My wife drives our forerunner. We have an 05 
Yes, sir. When we lay on the gas at takeoff, we'll get a sulfur smell. Okay. What is the cause of that? Wes, the smell is almost always going to be coming from the catalytic converter, but it doesn't mean the converter is bad. It could be a situation where you're either going too rich on your fuel-air mixture or too lean on the fuel-air mixture because either one will aggravate the catalytic converter and make it sulfur out like that. Reasons for it to go too rich would be something like oxygen sensors that are maybe bad, maybe an airflow meter that's dirty. Reasons for it to go too lean could be something as simple as a fuel filter stopping up. It could be a fuel pump that's breaking down. And, again, it's probably a couple dozen other things as well. But it's generally going to be a situation where the converter is being disturbed for some reason. And the sulfur smell is sulfur dioxide, which the converter will produce when it's being overloaded or underloaded. And it's operating outside of its normal range. So pretty important to try to find that because what's going to happen, it will end up killing that converter. And those are pretty pricey. Yeah. All right, so I can start by changing the fuel filter? You could certainly do that if it hadn't been done recently. I mean, it's not going to hurt anything to change it. It needs to do it anyway and just see what happens. The only way that you could find that is to bring it in, have someone put like a digital lab scope on the sensors, go out and drive it, punch it, what's actually occurring. Is it going lean or is it going rich or you know what's occurring? And then you got to go from there. It just takes a lot of detective work. Certainly, it would make sense to go in and change the fuel filter if it hadn't been done. You can do that yourself. You're not going to hurt anything. Another thing you might even try is cleaning the air flow meter. Just be real careful because you can damage it if you don't do it properly. But if you go on the Internet, you'll find instructions how to do it all over the place. And those kinds of things you can do, they don't cost very much. They're worth a shot. If that doesn't do it, before you start throwing parts at it, you're way cheaper off to bring it to somebody and let them check it for you because right. yeah, well, you'll run out of money before you run out of guesses. You know? S- somebody that is well-versed in this type of problem, yes, mm-hmm. they can get to it and check it for you. But somebody that doesn't really understand the way that works, you, you're spinning your wheels. That's right. You'll well, spend a whole lot of money trying right. to find that. they start throwing parts at it, and you're in the same boat you would have been if you wouldn't have went over there. That's right. Where's your shop located at? I tell you, just go to the internet on our website and go to contact, and there's a map from anywhere in the world to tell you exactly how to get there. Agcoauto.com. Thank you so much. All right, man. Thank you, Wes. Bye bye. 499 9526 the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Keegan on the line. Good morning, Keegan. Hey, good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Good morning. I have a 2002 Volkswagen Passat mm-hmm. with a little four-cylinder, 1.8 liter. It's got the little turbo on it. Uh-huh. But basically, I'll be driving down the road, and all my gauges will just fall to, like, zero. Okay. My engine's running. Yes, sir. But mm-hmm. they're still running. Mm-hmm. They just they fall, and then they rise right back up. Yeah. Um, just like normal in about four or five seconds. Yes, sir. Keegan, I don't work on European cars, so I'm not as okay. versed on that as I am everything all else. Right. I specialized in domestic and asian but that is almost always going to be an electrical issue what yeah. you would need to do is to find what connector or connectors are common to all the gauges i would start if it were me with removing the instrument panel cluster which is very easy pulling that big connector out taking a pencil eraser cleaning all the connections on it and snapping it back in good and tight that would take a total of less than a half an hour and has probably a 50 percent chance of fixing it if that doesn't get it, it could be a bad solder joint somewhere in the instrument cluster. You might go online and just Google it and see if anyone else is having problems with that. I know if you told me it's a Chevy pickup, I could tell you exactly what it is. A lot of trouble with the stepper motors yeah. doing that kind of stuff. But on that particular yeah. vehicle, I'm just not familiar enough with it to tell you. But it's going to be some kind of electrical feed that's dropping out. 
it's yeah. not going to be like the speed sensor because that would only do the speedometer. And it's not going to be the temperature sensor because that would only do the temperature gauge. So if they're all dropping out, it's something that's common to all of them. It may be a common ground. It may be a common power wire. You're just going to need to have a wiring diagram and get someone who works European cars, have them look at it. In fact, a guy who works Euros, he may even know what it is right off the top of his head, just like I do with the Asian and the domestic stuff. Yeah, I probably should take it back where I bought it from. There you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, he'd be a good guy. He right. specializes in that kind he, of car. He's a good guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know he replaced the computer on this car before, a used yeah. computer, so I might need a new computer. I don't know. Well, and the computer can go. certainly do that, too, because that's what's feeding all those gauges. Yes, sir. All right, guys. All right. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Bye-bye. sir. Thank Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Hello there. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Got a quickie question for you. Sure. I picked up a 95 Buick Regal okay. GM product. It's got the hydromatic overdrive yes, sir. transmission mm-hmm. in it. Most everything else that I've driven of GM with that hydromatic, you get up when it makes that final shift, it's dropping back down to around 1,500 RPM mm-hmm. on it uh, at 45, 50, even up to 55 and 60 miles an hour, still hanging down at that level. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. This particular vehicle is tacking out right at about 1,900 to 2,000. I'm just wondering if that last shift point isn't making it or not. Well, it's probably not going to be a shift point. If it was, it would be even higher than that. It may be that it's not going to lock up. A lot of people actually confuse those two because they're very, very similar. That's a 4T65E transmission, and you're going to have one, two, three, four. And then lock up. Lock up is when the torque converter actually locks a clutch where it's one to one. It's no longer slipping, and that occurs up around that speed. Yep. When that occurs, it should drop two or three hundred RPM, which is about what you're talking about. What you could do, Jim, is get it up to the speed that you're talking about. Reach over, keep your foot exactly on the accelerator. Don't let it come off at all, and just touch the brake pedal. And when uh-huh. you just touch that brake pedal, the RPM ought to shoot up about three hundred. If it does not, then it's okay. not going into lockup. I think I'm in a bad cell area. I don't know if you can hear me or not. I just kind of dropped. Like I was saying, what you need to do is get um, it to the speed where it's occurring. Get, and get it if you just watch the RPM, then if it's sitting at 1,900, reach over with your foot and just touch the brake pedal. If it jumps up from there, then you're in lockup and it's going out. If it does not jump up, then it's not in lockup. And you just have to find out why it's not going in. That could be a problem within the transmission. Or that could be something as simple as a bad brake light switch or any number of other things. So, anyway, if that didn't give you a complete answer, why don't you hit me on the website and I'll be glad to try to answer you some more. Just send me an email. I'll be glad to get you some more information on it. Going back to our phone lines, we've got Jones online. Good morning, Jones. Lewis. Yes. I need to bring my car. Uh huh. It's pulling to the left. Okay. That's after the tires were replaced Friday. Okay. Well, we just need to check it and see. It could be that if it wasn't pulling before, it could have been aligned with the old tires. Just may need to touch the alignment up for these tires. It may be a little different. Not a big deal. 730 good? Yes, ma'am. Thank you, sir. All righty. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take one more quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Grown here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I really thought the world was going to end. So what did you do? You see, Mike, I quit work and streaked through the cafeteria. I maxed out my credit cards, my grass is waist high, and I can't find my dog. I think the line I bought might have eaten him. And my car won't run. 
Hmm. Well, first, take your car into Agco Automotive so it'll get fixed right the first time. Then, take it in for regular maintenance to save money in the long run by keeping your car in good shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Well, Mike, there's one more thing. My neighbor DVRs C-SPAN, and I promised I'd spend Sunday afternoons watching it with him. Now... I wish the world really would end. Sorry, uh, can't help you there, buddy. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Of course, we've still got several minutes. If you want to go ahead and get your call in, we'll get an answer back to you. That's right. Now's a great time. That's right. Still got plenty of time and still got a few answers left in the old noggin. <laughs> Go ahead and give us a call. And you know, just in case you don't care to call in, you don't get a chance to call in, something occurred to you later on. Right. You can always get your questions answered on our website. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Easy way to remember that is to take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company contact bar on every page you can send lewis an email any time of the day or night and he'll get it back to you within 24 hours there is also several databases you can search which that's is right. the vehicle topics which is a very in-depth article <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> well there's vehicle questions <laughs> which is a short to the point answer to a specific right. question you can search that and you can also search vehicle topics which is a much more in-depth involved article on a specific topic for Correct. instance if you want to know about what does viscosity mean in regard to oil. There's a whole article that tells you all about that. If you want to know how often you should change your oil, there's an entire article just on that one topic. If you want to know about ethanol and fuel, there's an article on that topic. So that's where the meat of the information is. But if you just want a quick answer, then you go to the vehicle questions, and there's probably well over a 1,000 of those. And those are questions that folks have called in the radio show or asked us at the shop, and it's just got a quick to the point answer to Correct. a specific question. Some of those also provide links back to detailed topics for more information. There is more information on there than you'll sit down and read in an afternoon, I can almost guarantee Oh, you. I guarantee you'll get tired of reading before you run out of things to look at because there's <laughs> a lot, a lot of information on that site. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. And we're going back to the phone lines with David. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning, Lewis. Yes, Thank sir. you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Lewis, I talked to you about a month ago. Got a 2000 Honda Accord okay. with a little four-cylinder. Uh-huh. And I was finding a little bit of antifreeze up on top of the piston. You know, up under yes, sir. I remember. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, well, anyway, I want to find get your opinion on something. Okay. I found some stuff online, yeah, and I, yeah. I gambled, and I bought it, and I mm-hmm. put it in the radiator. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, that thing has sealed it up, and it, I haven't had a problem starting Yeah, yet. Sometimes that stuff will work for a period of time, David. It's generally not yes. a permanent fix. But, you know, in an older car... That was my question. Yeah, where you're not really trying to keep it for a million years. You just want to kind of get by for now. I've seen people yes. use it with decent results. I've seen some people say it does absolutely no good at all. Other people say, hey, it helped a lot. Other people say it fixed it. So, I mean, really, what do you got to lose like other than the 20, price of the car? 20 bucks is about all it was. That's right. And I wouldn't put it in a brand-new car because it could end up clogging some other stuff up. But, I mean, on an older car like that, you figure well, a head yeah, a head gasket job is going to probably cost you around 1000 bucks, and that costs you yeah. 20 bucks. So, if it gets you another year, hey... You know, that may be all you need. Yeah, and I was wondering, is it going to stop up my heater core? It could. Like just depends. Some of it is pretty inert. It doesn't really hurt a whole lot else. It just kind of goes to the target and works. What yes, a lot of people do, they tend to misuse it. They think if one's good, two must be better. So they dump a couple of cans, then they really get into problems. But 
I think if you use it according to the label instructions, I wouldn't recommend it for everybody right, for certain, right. but under certain circumstances, I had a guy tell me, he said, well, I'm not going to spend the money to get it fixed. It's either junk the car, try it is. Hey, it's a no-brainer. Try it and see. So, yeah, it has a place like everything else. Now, yes, there's also sealers like for transmissions and power steering. I would never, ever, ever use those, air conditioning, just because those can do a tremendous amount of damage to the system. And if you ever decide yes, you are going to come back, it's too late. you got a wiped-out system. But something like that, I just don't see a great deal of harm under the circumstances. But you just yes. got to know what you got, what you're doing. And if it's the right choice for you, then, yeah, I don't think it's too bad. Yes, well, I, I don't think my leak was real bad because mm-hmm. I wasn't getting any water in the oil. Yeah, well, sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. It depends on where it leaks. If it leaks in the combustion chamber, you're not going to get any in the oil. If and, it leaks okay. into the oil, you'll get it in the oil. You know, sometimes gasket, sometimes it'll leak into the oil and you will never know it. That's right. Really? Right. A head yeah. gasket can leak probably a half a dozen different ways. In fact, if you go on my website, there's an article, just type in head gasket in the search bar. It'll bring up an article and it'll show you. Sometimes it leaks coolant to the outside. No other symptoms, you keep losing coolant. Sometimes yep. it leaks into oil. Sometimes it leaks in a combustion chamber. It can leak all kinds of different places depending on where the leak is. And you can have different symptoms. Just like man can have perfect blood pressure and be eaten up with cancer. There's different ways in which things fail. Same thing on a car. There's just different ways that they go bad and same thing with a head gasket. Yes, sir. Well, it, it went ahead and sealed it up. It's running good. It's well, starting good. But I was just wondering if I was going to do any further damage. Probably not a huge amount, but, you know, just, just have to try it and see. I mean, you're yeah. not out a whole, whole lot. And like you said, it's an older car. You didn't want to spend that much money on it. Give right. it a shot and see. It, it'll probably come back. But, Doug, you just have to make up your mind if you want to fix it or if you sure. just want to keep sure. on with it like it is. All right, Luke. All right. Well, look, thank you so much. Okay, for man. Help. Thank you. Bye-bye. We're going to try to catch another call here. we got Howard online. Good morning, Howard. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Question on Michelin tires. Mm-hmm. A new Toyota a Camry with Michelin tires on it. Mm-hmm. I find the car is not as comfortable as the cars that I've been driving. It. Mm-hmm. You feel on the interstate, you feel these construction joints. Okay. Now, the guy at the Toyota dealer said, well, maybe, you know, you need another kind of tire on it. So. Okay. What can you make of that? Well, Harold, you just don't have enough information. It may have V-rated tires on it, which is a high-performance tire because that's what that car was designed for. It's not going to ride smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, not every tire is designed for every driver. Michelin makes a wide variety of tires, and each one, they've got ride tires, they've got performance tires, they've got truck tires. It may well, not have a tire that is suitable for you, but again, that's the car you bought. So well, you're just going to have to live with what is, you got. You know, <laughs> It's kind of hard to drive a lot and say, well, I yeah. want a tire, you know, for this. Yeah, what you're going to need to do, Howard, is you're going to need to find out what tire's on it, what suspension you have. If it's a high-performance tire, it'll have something like V in the number. In other words, it'll be like a 225-60-VR-17 or 18 or whatever. And the newer cars are going to have a real tall tire with a low profile. So the short sidewall, they're going to tend to ride rough anyway. If it's a V or a Z-rated tire, it's going to ride rough because it's designed for performance. Right. It's you going to have a suspension designed for performance also. Right. You just pick the bad car for if you're concerned with ride. There are cars that are designed to ride well, and that's just you not can, what you got. Right. You can get that same car with a different suspension on it, which would ride better than one with a performance suspension. That's right. But, I mean, at this point, if you got the car, it's kind of water yeah. under the bridge. You could change tires, see what happens, but you can't go to an underrated tire because that car is going to call for that tire, and the braking and everything else is going to be predicated on that particular tire. So you would not be able to change to a lower-rated tire. So that's the whole story behind that. That's something that Howard kind of brings up a good point. 
when you buy a car, what are you supposed to do? Well, you got to do your homework before you go buy a car. Oh, definitely. A lot of people think that a car is a car is a car. I had a guy one time brought a Cadillac Elante, which was a little sports car in. Right. And he said he absolutely hated it because whenever he drove it around in the field chasing his cows, it would always break. Right. And I'm like, bro, you need a three-quarter ton pickup. You don't need a Cadillac Elante, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Just like there are a dog for every person, some people want a German Shepherd. Right. They want a personal protection animal, a big dog that will intimidate other people. They need a German Shepherd. Some people want a lap dog. Which is a comfort dog. Poodle or a chihuahua or whatever. Two different animals for two different purposes. It's exactly the same thing with cars. It's unfortunate. Most people buy a car based, number one, on the color. Color. Number two, the sound system. And number three, the payments. Exactly. And they have no clue. You know, they look at it and say, oh, wow, I love that car. Man, that's cool. Look at the color. Man, listen to that sound system. How much is it? Well, that's just the worst possible way to buy a car. And if you go on the website, there's tons and tons and tons of information on how to select the proper car. If you buy the right car, you're going to be happy. If you buy the wrong car, you're not going to be happy, and it has nothing to do with the quality of the car. Right. It's just the car you bought. It's the car that has to be a good match for you. If you're going to tow a 20,000-pound trailer, a half-ton Chevy pickup is not going to be a good choice because you're going to be putting transmissions and rear differentials and brakes on it every other weekend. Right. But by the same token, if you're going to work, you're not towing anything, a Ford Excursion is not a good choice because it's going to get 10 miles on a gallon. Right. So you got to get the one that's right for you, and it's too late after the fact to say, well, you know, I bought this car, and it doesn't do what I want to do. What can I do? Well, ain't nothing you can do. It's engineered. That is the way the car is engineered from scratch. You can take a loss on it. Yeah. Get rid of the car. Trade it in. Go get something else. Do your homework now. And get what you need. And, and a $10,000 lesson and, yeah, and move on. <laughs> and move on. Yeah, because you would have to virtually change the shocks, the struts, the spindles, the rack and sure. pinion. You'd have to change every part of the car to a low-performance situation, put a low-performance tire on it, and then it's going to ride good. Right. But That's, it just is not going to be practical. You just really can't re-engineer modern cars. There was a time... When you can go and tinker with this, tinker with that, and get some changes. But nothing that you can do is going to make a significant amount of difference. And it's just going to cost you a whole, whole bunch of money and make the car really, really good to defeat the purpose that it's designed for. Exactly. So that's all about that. Just make sure you do your homework before you buy a car. Hey, you want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening to us this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour? I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and go to iTunes and give us a written rating. That's right. We really appreciate the written ratings. It lets us know how we're doing and also moves us up in the ratings so more people can hear us. That's great. There That's you go. what we need. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the more, the better. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.